All right, welcome to the movie well, never ends, a movie here. review podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Nick, and it's been cool. some time. The reason why Stage being, uh, we had a scathing review of a silent place. No, no, uh, a quiet, a place. quiet place. Um, you know, when it came out, back. Weeks yeah, back. we went solid. Like you we know, saw it like pretty fresh. Pretty, I think the pretty, weekend it came yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. But uh, we we really disliked it, and we said a lot of things about why we, we had disliked some great it. Stuff about the 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 shoddy editing. We might have had some awesome the, zingers, but you'll never know. You'll never know because the file erased itself. Because yeah. computers, computers are not update Nick's, themselves um, all the time. Well, when you're trying to do things, you and also they didn't erase files. save the file after we were done. Which I left it there for like an hour. Me being somebody who I don't know why anything doesn't has doesn't had just things vanish constantly. In I've learned to save things all the time. Why doesn't everything automatically save? Because your computer is older than this year. It's not that old. I think it's uh, old enough. Anyway, but anyways, so <laughs> we're gonna try not to was, lose it this one. It was relatively one. <laughs> demoralizing to lose a podcast. Yeah, we felt like oh crap, our best best podcast ever. It's like the greatest song in the world. Exactly. And you'll never hear, you'll it. Never hear you'll it. You'll never hear it. Nope. Um, so instead, we're going to talk about <laughs> Solo. A solo. Star Wars Adventure. Yeah, we've got to say it like that. Is the full title just Solo, A Star Wars Adventure? A Star Wars Story. Story. Okay. They should was have gone Rogue, with Adventure. Was Rogue One also like uh, Rogue subtitled One, a, Star Wars Story. a Star Wars Story? Yeah, I think so. Because. Uh, yes, it was. I don't know. Uh, Rogue Solo One. shouldn't be that shouldn't even be a question in your mind if it's a Star Wars. Well, there's another movie story. from last year called Solo. What? Believe it or not. What's it about? I don't know. I just a musician when I, or something. When I, <laughs> <laughs> Solo. Uh, when I when I Somebody searched it on IMDb, in love? it came up with Solo 2017, so as well as Solo a Star okay. Wars story. So, so they that, they may have had to put the subtitle on there you for know, it's um, an legal anthology reasons? telling the story of four different people, each story revolving around four different elements: Earth, Fire, Wind, and Water. Earth, Wind, and Fire. It doesn't sound very solo. Water. That sounds like a group of four people, which is I know a quartet. I know a, qua- well, a quad, uh, whatever, some kind of quad grouping. Anyhow, multiple solos. So, yeah. So also the the reason the other reason that it's taken this long for us to podcast again is because there's been just absolute crap in the theater. I refuse to go see the Avengers movie because I am so over superhero movies. I'm just I'm. You won't I'm see flat out. Uh, yeah. What about Ant Man? How do you feel about the, I mean, the if, second Ant Man? If I happened to be somewhere where Ant Man was playing, I'd probably watch it. But if it's you not compelling. To be having a, a dinner at the movie theater at the time when Ant Man <laughs> so, is on. Let's say if somebody kidnapped me and took me to the theater <laughs> and they said you're gonna watch this, I'm just. I mean, and I heard Black Panther was fantastic, but I just can't make. And I, That's in the I'm Red interested. Box, I'm interested in the costumes. Okay, I might rent it from the Red Box. It's got a Kendrick Lamar uh, soundtrack, which is know? cool. It's there's a lot of cool things about it, but man, I am so done with superhero movies. Yeah. There's like a new one every single month, right? It's every less, single it's more than month. Is it like three it's like weeks? Every other week. Every every, every few weeks. Week. Yeah. And they're all just like blowing box office, you know, sales out of the water every time. Well, see, and that's and what, it's getting to be like you just I don't know. I don't even care about it anymore. That brings us to this movie, right? Which is what's interesting because we we are in this glut of superhero movies this year. Um, you yeah. know, you had Black Panther, and then you had the Avengers, and then you had Deadpool, and you're gonna have the Ant Man movie, I think, next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're all doing great, but Star Wars, this movie 
is not doing, not living up to financial expectations at all. But do you think it's just because their financial expectations are like astronomical? Yeah. And so like by comparison, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, we always look at box office sales and I'm not sure anybody else really does. Like, yeah, but I think it's interesting. I do think it's interesting too from a marketing perspective. Like what exactly did Disney think that this was going to do and what? how well, far below it is okay, it Okay, so I'll tell you that. I, I can actually tell you this. Uh, so, so Disney... Nice. I mean, first of all, the, the, the first new Star Wars movie, The Force Awakens, did more money than almost anything. It's the second most uh, profitable movie. I mean, or, or it made the most money. I don't know about the profit. Is it behind Gone with the Wind? No, it's behind. Well, I mean, that's if you adjust for inflation. Not, not adjusting for inflation is the second most uh, biggest box office behind Avatar <sighs> ever. Which Good is kind God. of funny because Avatar is a really awful movie. Yeah. But so so anyways, so and then Last Jedi and Rogue One both did really pretty big numbers too. Rogue or Last Jedi, slightly less than than people assumed, but still like, you know, like fourth most biggest box office ever, I think, something like that. Not adjusting for inflation. Not adjusting for inflation. I really like adjusting for inflation because yeah. I think otherwise it means ever, nothing. Nothing is ever going to be gone with the wind and people want to think that yeah. they're living when yeah. the biggest thing is happening. I know, right? That's the thing, right? So anyway, so this movie, mm. uh, before it came out, the week before it came out, I mean, there was all kinds of pre-production drama that was all over the internet because the original directors got fired halfway through and replaced by Ron Howard. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later, hopefully. But anyways, so so when when the 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 tracking numbers, which are the estimates that the studio puts out for how much money they think it's going to make, came out, they said one thirty to one fifty, one hundred and thirty to one hundred fifty million dollars over the Memorial first Day weekend. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, and everybody that I read was like, "That's really low. You think it'll only make that mm. money? Maybe Disney's only only putting out that tracking number so they can blow right past it, you know, and make it seem yeah. like make it seem like yeah, they're making that's true. Money. But your investors are not going to but then that. then it made. 88 million over the three day weekend. Snap. If you count the Monday two, it made like 110, but it still, it did not. I mean, not... that's not miserable, right? Yeah. So, wait, how much did Avengers make in its first weekend? Like 230, 220. So, like almost double. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so so that's the thing. So, like, it, and it that didn't... came out the weekend before or two weekends before? Oh, two... that came out like four. Two weekends before. No, no, was it was Deadpool. still in May, I think. Two weekends before was Deadpool. Oh, too. okay. Yeah, you, you've been you've been out of it. That oh was, man, I've been April. in a time warp. Sorry about that. Yeah, uh, but but anyways, so so it came in well below expectations, which were already pretty low. Right. And so that's what well, we're talking about. Well, I mean, but about. like, why do you think they were lowballing it? I don't think that they were lowballing it just because they wanted to like make their actual box office sales look more impressive. I think that they were probably more realistic. Yeah, but why was it? Why? Why is it coming in a lot lower than say? Deadpool or now you and I have a theory the about this and so well I am totally superhero movied out like I could care less they all look the same to me they all have the same stupid storylines and uh, anyways I don't have to go into it but they are all different movies and they're all different characters Star Wars is a little more centralized and we've had two new newish actual Star Wars movies plus Rogue One and now Solo, which are kind of offshoot movies. Yeah. Right. And so, but they group together much more, I would say, homogeneously than all the superhero movies that come out. And I know that there's people that also, well, I'm not going to talk about superhero movies. I'm, no, I'm done. done. I'm done. But anyways, <laughs> but you and I have, have noticed recently that Star Wars is a, a label or a theme or a logo or a character that is incorporated into like almost everything you see you can go to if you leave your house meals. 
It's insane. Yeah. Denny's has Star Wars related meals. How it, how does that even make sense? It seems pretty lowbrow too. I don't it know. seems really lowbrow because I, I think I the last brain. the last uh any kind of themed meal I can remember was the with the Hoobastank burrito. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like grouping yourself in with that company. Not a good idea. I think that it's like a bad, bad move. Do you move. think they're stretched a little thin in their in their product placements? So you think that, that I, has an effect on I box think office? that it does in a way. I mean I I think maybe it makes a, a product, we'll call Star Wars a product, it makes it yeah. seem like there's uh, more more product than demand. You know, that there's mm. there, there's like a, you know, oh, here's a, here's a new movie, but like you're not given a sense of it surrounding you and your culture like constantly. Like Star Wars is constantly in your view. I mean, if you leave your house, and now we, we don't get like television, so I mean... God, imagine if you had television. It's like everything you see, there's there's ads involving Star Wars everywhere. It doesn't even matter like if you go to Walmart, if you go to Macy's, if you go to, you know, any kind of store, any price point, any kind of it's just freaking everywhere. And then you go like every other person on the street is either wearing like, you know, Star Wars t shirt or, you know, a Star Wars t shirt. I mean well, it's you just, think those would all those people all would have gone and saw this movie. You would think so, and maybe they are, but maybe it's just that everybody else is like, oh my God, it's, it's Too much crushing me. Overload. But they haven't done <laughs> yeah. that with the Marvel movies, and I find that... No, really but I'm, I'm saying I think that's because Star Wars is a little more centralized. Also, maybe, um, possibly, because this one is Han Solo, there's like a an expectation that like... I mean, let's say Han, so- Han Solo is like a really beloved character from the original three Star Wars films. Mm-hmm. The only one played by a real actor. <laughs> Wait, you're calling Harrison Ford a real actor? Was yeah, it, wasn't he just a carpenter actor. leading up to that? No, he was in a couple things. He was in a couple things. He was pretty good in a couple things before that. Yeah, but I mean, I don't think that's a. He's not a guy that like went to acting school and stuff. Well, he had the best acting career out of any of the the principal leads from the original. That's true, movies. but poor Carrie Fisher, she suffered a lot from psychological and and drug problems. And yeah, yeah, she was I, very talented. Yeah, I would say she definitely had more of an acting. Um, uh, education under her wing but anyhow han solo is super beloved and i think harrison ford as you say like had a pretty good career and is also like has been a very beloved actor right you know Mm -hmm. so maybe because there's a maybe because of the fact that it's not harrison ford playing han solo in this i don't know if maybe that left people very suspicious about the quality of this film and the, you know, the story he was going to tell and stuff. But I don't know. This is all speculation. Yeah, but no one really knows why it's not doing all that like well. the new James Bond movie when they changed Bond. Yeah, but, but really James Bond care. has a really long history of being changed. Yeah. I mean, and they've done terrible things changing actors for James Bond. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, I, 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 I you know, this is the first time we have like somebody new to compare to Harrison Ford. So you, but but you've gotten a lot in, in the past week. You've gotten a ton of articles in like the Hollywood Reporter and Variety and stuff like that, being that, like Lucasfilm is now going to rethink everything. Oh, you know, no. they're just firing people. That, is that, does that is that what that means? They're just going <laughs> to fire a bunch of people? I hope not. <laughs> but, but you know, so but I just think it's really funny that like this is the movie that like hit the wall. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because as a film in and of itself. This this movie's fine. It's cute. It's like, you know, it's entertaining. It hits all the notes. It actually, I would say it's the only new Star Wars movie that doesn't have a super jarring scene. In, in the, uh, the, the Force Awakens, there's the really awful scene on the Millennium Falcon with, like, those, like, creatures that look like they're cartoons. 
um, you know, when they first meet Han and Chewie. It, it's terrible. It's awful. <laughs> I, I mean, just doesn't work at all. In uh, in uh, uh, Rogue One, there's like undead Peter Cushing. Is oh, it? I know. He's it's, it's really bad. Uncanny then, Valley yeah, of uncanny CGI. Va- there's like some real Uncanny Valley stuff in that. And Otherwise, Carrie Fisher, the, the CGI'd Carrie yeah. Fisher as young Princess Leia. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, otherwise, I think that's like that might be the best looking Star Wars movie. But like, but those scenes just pull you right out of it. And then in the in the Last Jedi, of course, you have uh, Leia's like floating in space, yeah, little depth fake out, which is just Again, bad filmmaking, just bad CGI, also terrible yeah, and it looking. Just, it just doesn't work. So there's these like jarring scenes in those movies. This one, I mean, the worst it has is a bad line about his name being Solo. Yeah, when when you. When you get the origin of how his last name is Solo, which is not a family name. It's that's like he has no people. And like so a, a, the a Babalu Mandel line, <laughs> I feel like, or, you know, like, like what are those bad writers of like, you know, the, the Batman movies? It's just somebody being very clever. I mean, the, but the thing is, though, like this is this is the Han Solo origin story. Right. And sort of. so they have to explain a lot of things about like. Yeah, how he got his last name. Well, but they don't And actually, how he meets Chewbacca. And not, how he meets Lando Calrissian. And how he first encounters the Millennium Falcon. Like, these are, like, key elements of Han Solo's uh, legend that they're spelling out. And that is a really... That's a corny... That is the corniest part. It's the corniest part. But yeah. it's just a line. And it certainly it's is not, not <laughs> nearly as visually jarring as the bad scenes in the other Star Wars movies. Yeah. My point being, Ron Howard really delivers here, like, a, you know, a solid popcorn summer movie... And this, this is what people like. This is what they reject. Over? Yeah, exactly. Well, but they're not <laughs> rejecting it. They're just not seeing it in as many yeah. numbers. And maybe it's because maybe, hey, maybe it's because the weather is nice and people are like, oh, you know what? I'll see it, but not this weekend. I'm not clamoring for it the same way that I was for, say, the Avengers where everybody dies and I had to see it before everybody spoiled it yeah. for me. I don't know. I like, again, it's all speculation. I, It'll be interesting to see long term what the numbers I do. I suspect that this movie is actually going to have legs as far as like just uh, people are going to like it a lot better as as time goes on. Then I would think so, too. The initial response has been. Yeah. And like I said, I, j- I just think it's kind of sad because I, I, I mean, I think that the, the, the guy that they got to play on solo, Alden uh, Aaron Reich, Reich, Aaron Reich, I think. Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich. E-H-R-E-N Reich. Ehrenreich? Ehrenreich. Anyways, I think he does a great job. I, I really enjoyed him in the other thing I've seen him in, which is Hail Caesar, the last Coen Brothers movie. Oh, my God. He is, I think, the star of that. He's the, great in it. His scene where he's trying to... So he's like he's like a he's cow a cowboy. Poke. He's, he's a, like a, a trick cowboy in it, right? He's like, like a Roy Rogers. Kind of Roy Rogers. She does all the like cowboy stunts and the singing, yeah, like... Yeah. You know the the cowboy, and he's definitely Ray Rogers of it. But yeah. anyway, he the scene where he tries to like fill in on a film that's missing an actor to play a sort of debonair. Yeah. Um, and like, Ray Fine is the yeah, is the director. Yes. He's trying to get him oh, to say the line. God. Would that it were so? Ray Fine in a little ascot, yeah. like <laughs> like of course he wears an ascot. Um, and this poor guy is like, would that it were so? <laughs> so and they go through. They say that line together. I think at least a dozen. Oh, no, probably 30, 40 great. times. And it's just gets funnier the more yeah. he can't say it yeah. in the accent and the with the eloquence that Ray Fine says it. So he's great in that. He's fine in this. I wouldn't say he's he's great. You know, he's not but, stunning, but he's not. But he's being a lead role. I don't role know. I mean, like, actor, and, and that's a different job entirely. But he's he's perfectly fine in it. You know, and then the the, uh, the the rest of the cast. I mean, you have Donald Glover. Oh my God, Donald um, Glover is for me the star. Of who's this allowed film. to steal the movie because he is being a character role. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. and he does a great job. He's he's great in it. 
Uh, you have uh, uh, that lady from Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark, who I think is way more charming in this than Does anything I've ever Kira? seen. Does she play Kira? Yeah, she plays Kira. Um, the the young Han Solo's love interest. The Han Solo's love interest mm-hmm. in this the gangster lady, basically. Yeah, she's quite good. Um, you know, Paul Bettany. Paul Bettany. Pretty fun. He was a kind of a, 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 a I would say, what a substitute for the original actor yeah, they had so- for that. Interesting. Paul Bettany almost wasn't in this. He wasn't going to be this originally. So uh, Michael K. Williams or somebody that I'm not that familiar with was originally cast in the role. And originally that role was a CGI role only. What? So it was supposed to be like a a creature, a creature, not like a humanoid thing. That's very interesting given that Kira has a a sort of a a definite sexual relationship. Ron Howard put that 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 sort of implication in there, basically. Wait, Ron Howard put that implication in... After they switched it to being a human instead of yeah, a creature? Yeah, Ron Howard's idea, oh. idea was to switch it to Paul Bettany as a humanoid and to make it sort of like... A, he amped up the sexual relationship between Kira yeah, and that character? exactly. Because I don't think... Interesting. I mean, there's not really a lot that says there's a sexual relationship. In, no, there's mostly like a lot of thigh touching and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I think that that, that helps uh, give a lot of attention to the movie. I think that it's a smart move. Certainly. You know? Um the other thing I want to say is like Ron Howard was 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 not given an enviable task here. I mean, this is a giant movie, and you know everyone wants mm. to direct Star Wars, but the guy had to come in um, and make a movie that someone else had already half made. I know he had no prep time. He did this thing, and he did a great job. And Ron Howard is a really, I think, underrated film figure for a number of reasons. Number one, because he was Opie. Number two, he was on Happy Days. Number three, everyone knows who he is. You know what I mean? And he's got this reputation as like a, a nice guy, like a yeah. He's know, like a Tom Hanks, a redheaded Tom Hanks. He's like a Tom Hanks in Hollywood. You know, he's 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 not has a rep. He doesn't have a reputation as like you know a little infant tyrant sort of uh, you know Quentin Tarantino figure. But he's had a long, interesting career where he's made both good movies and bad movies. Now, a lot of people do not acknowledge the fact that Ron Howard has made some really good movies in his career. I will say he's made a couple of things that are, you know, fun movies like Splash. Oh, tell me tell me your favorite Ron Howard movie. Well, I mean Splash is a great movie. Spa- Splash is fantastic. Uh, Night Shift is a is a really fun movie, you know, with Michael That's Keaton. That's the one. Yeah, Michael Keaton working Henry in a Winkler. morgue, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If you want to go back to like That's the 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 Grindhouse era Ron Howard, uh Grand Theft Auto the movie and Death Race. Oh. Um, you know, those are those are fun movies. Plus, then he made Backdraft in the late eighties, early nineties, which is a totally fun movie <laughs> of the genre. Okay, if you want to see a firefighter movie with a Baldwin, yeah. I mean, come on. So, but tell me, what are like some Ron Howard stinkers that might be so, more uh, 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 more fresh in people's minds that they? He's been making those those terrible Dan Brown movies, right? Oh, and with you know, Tom Hanks, with Tom Hanks, ah. no one can make those into good movies. You just can't do it. You know, mm. I mean, and I understand why you're going to make those movies. There's a there's an audience for them. You've got the actors all lined up. They were giant. Uh, they they were giant hits as far as like uh, publishing publishing world went. So you're going to make these movies, but they're not good. They're impossible to be good. And I don't hold that against Ron Howard. He also made that really terrible Matthew McConaughey movie. Uh, what was that called? Ed TV? There's a lot of crinkling going on right Sorry, now. Sorry, I'm trying to fix the situation. Uh, <laughs> Ed TV, yeah. I don't think Ed TV is a that. really terrible movie. Um, once again, proving Ellen DeGeneres should not be in fictional films <laughs> that aren't just you know Pixar things. 
So he's made he made some bad movies. He also, he made Willow though, which I think is is oh uh, see why didn't you mention classic. Willow before? Why'd you go I'm to Death Race? The, I'm saving and some of the, the good ones. So, okay. so his two masterpieces. You, okay, that's what two, I wanted. That's what I asked you for. There are two actual masterpieces Tell in Ron me. Howard's career. One of which is Apollo 13. Oh yeah. There's nothing wrong with that movie. That's like a there's, credit to America. There is, that there movie. There is nothing wrong with that movie at all. You know what I mean? Like Tom Hanks in that one. Tom Hanks in that. He's great in it. Oh, that's funny. Kevin Bacon is one of the pillars of the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Oh, really? Uh, a lot of people watch, but it, I think it's... And then also, he made this movie a couple... It's actually really good called Rush. Um, and it's a car racing movie. It is the Amadeus of car racing movies. <laughs> it's actually... If you want to see a Ron Howard movie where he, like, really tries, and there's some really great filmmaking things going on, yeah. great editing, uh, great sound, great sequences, and, and a really sort of fun acting rivalry going yeah. on, it's a great movie. It's just a flat-out great movie. So he gets underrated. Because he's this nice guy in interviews, and he does some, he does yeah. like, he'll do almost anything. He'll well, do a and, lot of and, work. And maybe he's not a director that has like this huge ego that proceeds in, in a way Exactly. That, I don't know. I think Steven Spielberg yeah. has way more of like a sense of marketing himself no as a director. No one puts his like Ron Howard's rush or whatever no. like that, you know? So, so I think, I think he, he stepped into something that was a bit hard to do, and he did it. Well, it doesn't really, really. Yeah, well. it doesn't come off seeming like there's something incomplete about it or there's something patched up. It has flow. It has uniformity. There's, yeah. there's. I don't. I think there's no evidence that there were other directors meddling in it. And there's beforehand. this. I, there's this idea that the guys who made the Lego Movie and the Twenty One Jump Street movies were somehow going to make a masterpiece. And I have no idea where that comes from. No. You know, the, like like maybe they would have. Who knows? But I mean, but I, I don't think know. that they have a certain sense of humor. I enjoy, but it's not like that's lacking from this. Yeah, and it's it's not like there certainly like is anything a, a lot of humor in this movie. Has said that they could handle like uh, the kind of fantasy <laughs> sci fi thing that that Star Wars is. Whereas Willow certainly suggests that Ron Howard could handle that sort of thing, mm -hmm. and he did. Mm -hmm. um you know so uh, it's a fine movie we also i think have a pretty good writing team for this movie and and i always think writing you know it's it's the it's the birthplace of the movie and if you're gonna have like a tone added by a director it's still confined by yeah, the writing yeah, yeah. so you want to talk about so the get, writers for this well, it's, it's a team of of the kasdans lawrence and uh uh who's the, the uh, son jonathan, jonathan kasdan yeah. yep so Lawrence Kasdan uh, was one of the guys who used to work on Star Wars movies back in the day. I think he co-wrote um, Empire Strikes Back, mm -hmm. Return of the Jedi, and stuff. Um, he had he had a, his own career as a writer director. His his best known movie is probably The Big Chill, which is sort of like the uh, yuppie movie par excellence of the eighties. Yeah, which is you know, and it's got its place definitely. It's a classic. It's yeah, a, it's in the Criterion Collection, and yeah. I think it, it holds its place there. Um, he's made some stinkers over the years. Dreamcatcher, a really bad Stephen King adaptation. That's terrible. Um, some other things like that. But he's he's an interesting filmmaker. And, uh, you know, I, I will say, though, I think that this script, uh, it hits marks in a way that is slightly clunky. You know, I think that the direction and the acting actually outshine the writing. Interesting. Um, and we noticed a couple things. I mean, I don't really want to complain about it too much because I do think it's getting way too much guff for something that's a yeah. lot of fun. But I will a little bit. And not just about Woody Harrelson's <laughs> terrible haircut. We're going to get to hair later on. Yeah. So so, so this movie, you know, it's like a, a series of, of heist set pieces, basically. There's one in the beginning, then there's another one, and then there's the final one, right? You right. Know, Typical Star Wars So there's like formula. An, escape, a heist, uh, an escape sort of set piece in the with beginning. With petty stakes. With petty stakes. A, a one with bigger stakes, 
uh, where they like rob a train, you know, and people die and people die. And then there's one at the end, which is the famous Kessel run that we've been hearing about through all of the Star Wars films. Uh huh. And, and more people die and more people die. Bigger stakes and more people die. So so, you know, classic structure, right? That That's a, that's fine. But it, it makes them rush through some stuff that that I find slightly jarring. Now, Thandie Newton, uh, you know, who's in Westworld right now, I'm doing a pretty great job there. She's in this movie like super briefly. I know. As Woody Harrelson's love interest. He's yeah, sort of the old grizzled, also, like, uh, you know, thief king gangster Yeah, she's guy part of a trio of of bandits that Han Solo hooks up with. with in order to escape his uh, role as a soldier for the Imperial Army. Yeah, yeah. And then they, they, they try to rob this train and everybody but Han Solo and Woody Harrelson dies. Spoiler alert there. You know, <laughs> that's like done in the first half an hour. But anyways, yeah. my point being, you know, you've got this great actress it, it, and you've you've got like you know this relationship established, and he just sort of shrugs it off. Woody Harrelson. Yeah, yeah. I know when she dies, Woody Harrelson spends about two seconds looking sad. Yeah, and then and he's, he's like, like "Okay, Meh. let's get on Meh. to the next thing." And then the guy, the the people who are in, you know, I think arguably responsible for her death later on, turns out, well, he's he's not all that mad at them. No, exactly. It makes, like to it's, me, yeah. To me, that stuff that was that was dead that was dictated by the constraints of 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 the the shape of the film, you know what I mean? So you couldn't really take the time to really make death seem like they matter in this film. And, and I think that's a weakness. I do think that it's a weakness. I well, think, I think it's, it's something largely that, in the writing. Um, I think it's something that is becoming really common with the new Star Wars movies that there's a lot of deaths of pretty, I don't know, interesting characters and uh, yeah, characters that could provide a lot more color and texture and, and just, I don't know. I, it's hard to like have characters that you're interested in and then they get killed off and then you're like, oh, well, I guess they weren't that important. And I don't know. I mean, I think it's a shame and I think it's 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 them trying to age up the the, the Star Wars movies um, by giving them supposed real stakes in a way yeah. that, that you don't need to. I don't I don't need to have people well, the real die in my stakes to really can care just about be it. that, you know, oh, you're going to steal this incredibly important thing or you're not. I mean, yeah. Exactly. Also, this is not a. I I would say that I think for um, for like an uh, sort of an epic adventure film type of genre, th- this film because it's the Han Solo story. I think it's supposed to be kind of imbued with like a carefreeness, a you know, a this like cavalier attitude that Han Solo always has. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a cowboy movie. You know, he's he's kind of the cowboy of the Star Wars movies, and yeah. I think. He's he's never really interested in the Force. The Force does not appear at all. First Jedi's Star Wars don't. Movie ever, where you don't yeah, really talk there's about no the Jedi's, Jedi's. There's no Force. There's no you know this kind of like weird Middle Eastern mythology about you know Jedi's and whatnot. It doesn't. That doesn't come in at all. And the politics of the Empire and the Rebels barely enters into this. Also, mm-hmm. there's actually way more interesting politics regarding robots and humans but and robot rights um, yeah 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 which i think is interesting but yeah to have like these sort of like oh and now we do this thing and let's see the formula says like two main members of this task should die and it, and then oh check thandy newton and then this other guy who was like a little creature guy it's like oh okay check check you know and i don't know it, to me it seems like that's not really worth it you know in terms of storytelling like why have these awesome characters and then just kill them Mm-hmm. And then you move on to the next next task. It's like, well, I, you it's know, because modern viewers are sadists. 
Yeah, <laughs> but also it's they just, it think, is a formula. It, yeah, literally, is it literally a formula. Is a formula. And I think that comes in the writing. And I think it's one of those things that, that yeah. I think is, is a bit of a weakness. Could be improved on. You know. Um, so um, shall I mention the awesome other characters? That, uh, yeah. So another sure. character that dies. So Lando Calrissian has like this incredible robot in it, which I think is my favorite droid of the entire series, like all, all of the Star Wars movies ever. And Nick thinks that that's fighting words. L three, L three, yeah. L three is this amazing robot, and and there's like incredible things going on with like the the AI of this robot, like the AI sort of capacity of her. She's she's uh, she's pretty committed to um, uh, robot rights in this, like yeah. like equal rights for robots. Uh, and it's she's like a rabble rouser, and she's she creates a lot of chaos, and it's pretty funny actually. Like it's. It's more enjoyable, I think, a character than most of the other like human characters even. Also, there's this really interesting um, discussion between her and Kira about how she thinks that Lando's like super into her, like in terms of like a sexual relationship. And she's like, sometimes I think maybe. But and no. Then but no. And it's, it's just like the funny. It's really, really funny. And, and then they kill her off, um, which seems kind of like... If you kill a robot, can't you just like upload their memory, which they do, into the Millennium Falcon for her navigational expertise? But like, wouldn't wouldn't like all of the other aspects of her also follow? I do, I don't know. It's kind of confusing, but uh, she's she's fantastic. She's got a lot of really great dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's a fun character and, a- and explores relationships. I I think that this movie in general is about relationships more so, like just the relationships between all the different characters and and that's why like it's really sad to see them killed off like the relationships between like han and chewy which is really fantastic i mean mm-hmm. we've always enjoyed han and chewy they're like an unbeatable team you know they have like a they have like a buddy sort ofness that a buddiness that is like i don't know it's pretty legendary it's a it's a great relationship and then um han's relationship with uh, Lando also you know it, it starts in this film and and that actually I think was some of my favorite acting to see was between oh my goodness I've forgotten his name already Alden Ehrenreich Alden Ehrenreich yeah and uh and Donald Glover and Donald Glover I thought that they the two of them actually seemed to connect pretty genuinely on film yeah and uh that was that was actually I think one of the big strengths of this film mm-hmm. for me because you know, you have like all these tasks and everything like, oh, we're going to do this mission and I was, you know, whatever. And it's like, I don't know. I could kind of care less about that stuff because like, you know, Han is going to live. You know, Chewie's going to live. You know, that Lando's going to live because they all appear later. You know, yeah. there's not too much question about like them getting through certain things. But because of that, like their relationships with each other are actually really I think that they're given a little more thought. They are given a little more space, and and there's like that security in those relationships that they that they develop. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that part of it. Yeah, no, no, no. I thought I thought like I said, I think most of this is a pretty well done movie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, when do you want to talk about the costumes a little bit? Should we talk about that's, costumes that's, and hair? Costumes and hair. Is your so I will say. Right? Let me let me just say like so. Um, the relationship between Han and the character that uh, Woody Harrelson is playing, which I don't remember the character's name. is The character's name is Beckett. Beckett, right. Like okay. Samuel Beckett. It's a very American sounding name or English. Anyways, it's uh, <laughs> anyways, but like their relationship, I think, is also kind of 
I think that there is a bit of focus on that, but Woody Harrelson seems to just be like this impervious Woody Harrelson unit all yeah. the time in pretty much I think like everything I've ever Woody seen Harrelson him in. does one thing and it's Woody he's Harrelson. He's just always Woody Harrelson. Now he's like he's like a blank slate so he's able to deliver any lines with conviction because he doesn't care about them any more than any other lines he says. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's sort so of his true. thing. Uh, <laughs> and he does it in this movie and so you're like oh you know he's talking about robots of course. You know hey, He seems to know a little bit about robots because you know just as much can, as he knows about anything. Carry that off. Yeah. Anyway um but like the relationship that they have is not fantastic. I mean, the the chemistry I would say that they have on screen is not fantastic. Yeah. Um, but anyways, but the the thing that yeah that I think we noticed way more about Woody Harrelson. So Woody Harrelson is a balding man. Let's just put it right out there. I mean, I he's probably <laughs> insecure about that. There's a lot of balding men in Hollywood though. Yeah, yeah. And. Uh, you would think that like rocket scientists would be working with like sweet Hollywood dollars to like develop a non-balding gene that they could inject into men or something like that, because this has got to be a constant problem, right? You know, you've got like a balding actor and you're like, man, we got to put some hair on you. I mean, they wig people all the time, Yeah. but still, I think that like balding some, men, some great actors, balding men might have it the worst of anyone in Hollywood. Some great actors have been balding men forever. I mean, well, like Patrick Stewart. Well, the see, best looking you're talking bald about man. like the outright ones. I'm talking yeah. about like the secret balding guys. Oh, like Jack Nicholson. Well, he's not secret, no, but no, he's no, he's no, definitely no, no, made no. An, a career on his Rex baldness. Rex Harrison was bald his whole life, basically. Really? Yeah. Always a wig. Wow. You know, um, the guy who played Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, uh, Alec Guinness. Always bald, bald? Like really bald. That's a wig. Wow. That's All always the time? been a wig. Every All single of it. time you see Every him. Every speck of hair on him is a wig? Well, I mean, maybe not quite on the sides, but... <laughs> I thought but you were pointing a... to your ear at first. I was like, does he have wicked <laughs> ear hair or something? I've never noticed that. You know, I mean, and Sean Connery is a great example, too. And now, mm-hmm. Sean Connery, old Sean Connery, went with the baldness a lot more. Yeah, this is but true. But he certainly wigged for a large yeah. portion of well, his career. Nick Cage, we all know, has been Nick Cage, balding in a really unflattering yeah, way yeah. for a long time. He's wigged all and the time. And I have to say, I appreciate when Nick Cage gets wigged, because I'm guessing that he's the kind of guy that's like... the 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 hair the hair person is like oh here we're gonna put this wig on and he's like no 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 no. i need better hair than that and i i think nick cage just goes out and like picks whatever hair he wants and has them put it on him because sometimes he's just outrageous with the hair in the movies but in this case woody harrelson is given hair that is like oh it's such a disappointment it's like a wet noodle of a hairdo like Mm -hmm. it's it's just like this tiny bit of hair like it still looks like he's a balding man and like trying to make it work with like a little bit of hair and it's It's constantly a little bit wet looking the guy who was from the band everclear was trapped on a desert island (laughs) had no access to hair products (laughs) yeah somehow it was still that bleach blonde 90s thing oh this is yeah (laughs) i would really like to know how woody harrelson feels about this kind of hair being given to him because i would think like if i was a balding man and i was in a movie and they were like we're gonna give you hair for this movie i would want like daryl hall style mane of glorious locks you know i mean i maybe it just doesn't go with the character but why not anyways i'm just saying like i i thought that was pretty funny um On the flip side of that, his girlfriend, Thandie Newton, mm-hmm. has the best afro. Oh, In my God. Yeah. Well, Donald Glover's afro is pretty, pretty sweet, good, too. This is a two bad. afro movie. Yeah. Think about that. 
that's rad. That is like so cool. She has like the best, like you just want to sink your hands in it kind of afro. Yeah. It's, it's nice. amazing. It's nice. Donald it Glover's like part in the afro a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Frederick he's Douglas. got like a little sculpture kind of like a sculptural part going on. It's cool. Look. Oh, it's I, glorious. I really, I really like it. You know? Yeah. A couple of Do you think that like great. Woody Harrelson looked at their hair and was like, was like really jealous. If I mean, only. I mean, he would look silly with an afro. I'm not yeah, saying, but just like, like the clown. the the power of those hair dudes. I the, know. The they awesome... could have given him something cooler. They I know. Yeah. I know. He's got the seriously like the most disappointing. The hair. most disappointing hair at all. I would Star think Wars. to him. I mean, mm-hmm. for me, I don't care. You know, I once it wrote is... a paper in college about the haircuts in Star Wars. Did you really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where because is I... that now? <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> you give this to me as homework for this podcast i would love to it have read it all about like you know the 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 haircuts as symbolism in star wars because the the empire all had these very controlled oh, very usually balding yeah um um you know sort of you know pomaded dues like yes with without any sort of freedom of the hair while the rebels as represented by luke skywalker oh and Han Solo and stuff and chewbacca you're talking about oh Chewbacca's the hairiest of had them. like some free wild hippie hair, you know. Like, That's like a really slightly... good point. And actually, given the time in which Star the first Star Wars was made, mm-hmm. people who were doing the you know like obviously like George Lucas and stuff yeah. would have been of the generation of people that grew up wanting to have long hair and and having parents that were like, no, you must get a haircut, yeah, and having yeah. like the fifties style the haircuts, 50s style and... pomaded, yeah, you know, with the baldingness. So, do you think that that is just like carried through? Like, do you think anybody even thinks of it as a political statement now? I mean, I think Afros are still a political statement. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, you know, listen, people who are doing these sort of hair things, they always have some sort of reason why they're doing it. They they tell themselves mm-hmm. a story about every aspect of the filmmaking process, and so definitely it's there. But it, but it's interesting because I think so, like you know. Woody Harrelson's character is somewhere in between, and so they gave him this like <laughs> sad, free haircut. I think it's. I think you can read that oh into gosh. it, but it is like he, like like he goes to like <laughs> supercuts, yeah, exactly. <laughs> with a coupon even, and yeah. so he's, he's he's not like he's not like the Empire guys that are super like slicked, you know. Uh huh. But he's also he's not quite wild and free. Do you think that it's maybe because he's supposed to sort of represent like um like like. His his particular character's philosophy is not necessarily like with one side or another. Yeah, well here here's I mean I told you I told you I mean that's partially true, but I think a lot of that isn't carried through in the way that Woody Harrelson acts. He has a hard time mm-hmm. acting like a man with divided loyalties. He doesn't have the <laughs> sense of depth and mysteriousness, I think, to do that sort of thing. No, he's, certainly he's not. pretty like he just delivers his lines and he does his thing, you know, his yeah. Woody Harrelson thing. And I told you after we got out of the movie that I actually think the movie would have been stronger if, uh, uh, you know, Woody Harrelson had played the part in Last Jedi that Benicio del Toro had placed, and Benicio del Toro had played, uh, played Woody Harrelson's Beckett part. Character. Played Beckett because he's got the sense of mysteriousness yeah, yeah. and divided loyalties, uncertainness yeah. about where where what he's thinking. Woody Harrelson doesn't look like you don't understand what he's thinking. But if we just had Benicio del de Toro play both of those play roles, of those I mean, roles? he's superior <laughs> at doing this. So. Um, yeah, but I think Beck, I, I think that Benicio del Toro's role 
could actually have been done pretty successfully by Woody Harrelson. Too. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to be able to like swap them out. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have that ability. I know. So I mean, it, you know, and I, I read something with the screenwriters too, where they were talking about they wanted kind of a Long John Silver relationship between Woody Harrelson and. You don't Solo. mean the restaurant. No, 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 no. I mean, I mean the, the classic. I must pirate. be hungry because that's exactly what came to mind. <laughs> and I don't think you get that out of it. I, I don't no. think you get that out of it. No, you know? Woody Harrelson's just I. You know, it's too breezy. I mean, it's yeah. fine. Like I said, I think it plays. It's not like yeah, it it's not unsuccessful. But it, but it doesn't. It's it not doesn't, as strong as it could. It be, doesn't though. have depths. No, you know, um, and that's fine. Mm. But parts of the movie kind of do. I think that actually the central romance, well, on one level, not making any sense whatsoever between Han and Kira. Han and Kira is it has like this like kind of. I don't know. There's a soulful longing about it. There's this oh, idea yeah. about like this longing about a first love. There's some great kissing between them. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, there's, this, there's there's some stuff there that like things you want to go back to and you can't kind of. Yeah. Um, And they both play that fairly they well. They do. Yeah, actually they do. They have pretty good chemistry as well. Yeah, yeah. And and, and I think that that's interesting Making out too. in the in the cape closet, in Lando's cape I, closet. That was pretty sexy. Yeah, probably the, se- the sexiest there's actually, scene in a Star Wars movie. And, and then like also like Han has like a few lines, especially in that scene where um he, he has like innuendos and he has like... I know. He has like a vocabulary of sex that I think I most think other seen... characters in Star Wars do not. Yeah. Maybe Chewie does. We will never know because we don't speak Wookiee. <laughs> well, those those uh those those uh Ewoks were dirty talking the entire time. You know? Filthy little Ewoks. Oh my gosh, can we just say also speaking of Ewoks that Warwick Davis, who played um Wicket, yeah, right? Wicket, yeah, he yeah. played Wicket. He shows up in this movie. He does. I mean, not as Wicket. He shows up as like, you know, this this other bandit. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of exciting because it's, so it's nice to see his face. Uh, he's in the the terrible movies that no one talks about, yeah. like Episode One or whatever. He's in he's in that as the same character. Really? Yeah. So it's one of those like oh. crossovers to the bad George Lucas movies. I don't know if I just didn't know what he looked you like back then or something. Have, or? I mean, he's like in the mm. background kind hey, of. Hey, you know what other Ron Howard film he's in? Willow. Willow. He is Willow, yeah. Warwick Davis is actually like if you just if you played like six degrees of Warwick Davis, yeah, that'd be yeah. pretty great. He's in a actually. Ton of stuff. We should exactly. start playing that. <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of Kevin everywhere. Bacon is played out. It's Warwick Davis. I know. Warwick. There's no challenge with Kevin Bacon anymore. Um but yeah, and then the costumes in this also were like pretty uh, like like the capes. Like I just mentioned Lando's cape closet. Yeah, like there's yeah. there's some there's like some really great costume opportunities with Lando in particular in this because Lando is like this very I mean he's like trying to look like this luxurious guy right he's trying to like imbue everybody or he's trying to like um he's trying to have like this look of of like power and reputation and like luxury and he's like the kind of gambler type who's trying to look he's trying to look like a high roller yeah and and so like also like the Millennium Falcon, even though like I think on the outside it's supposed to look kind of junky, on the inside there's like some sweet upholstery and like well, well this is I mean most of the movie the Millennium Falcon is way nicer looking than that's sort of the thing. So when yeah. they when they go through the Kessel Run and it like pieces come off of it, that's when yeah, it's the junky yeah. looking Millennium but Falcon. But I mean it's like it's it's like you're seeing the Millennium Falcon from the point where Lando has owned it. Like the Lando's pad. Oh my god. And when he's like sitting there like narrating his life story. It's really funny. Oh great moment. So funny. Anyways, but La- yeah, so anyways, the capes are fin- 
fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I love that they have this moment where Kira is like trying on his capes. Like yeah. there's just something like playful and wonderful about that. But um, but yeah, so there's there's like Lando's costumes that are very lavish and fun and like just kind of wild in a way that you don't often see them go for in, in Star Wars movies. Uh, and then you have like other kind of more typical, you know, these people are dressed for utility, they're dressed for fighting, they're dressed for, you know, whatever mission they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I read a thing that there were, um, the costume designers were particularly influenced by a lot of like musicians, like um, Blondie and The Clash and Prince. I think Prince and Marvin Gaye were both inspirations for Lando's how Lando looked. Lando's yeah. And which I, just, is, I can it, totally see that. It's really cool, but it, it's interesting for... because they said that a lot of their other sort of more typical go-to inspirations are like Vietnam era, um, like Vietnam soldiers mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of more like combat soldier kind of references. And, and so I think that this is an interesting movie because they're getting away from their typical, oh, here's an epic battle story. We have epic, you know, heroes in it. And they're they're kind of like going with some really interesting, like the fact that they're using musicians and bands as inspiration for the costumes and the looks yeah, of these yeah. characters. I think it, it does come through. And this is a film that has more playfulness. It has a little more like... There's a there's rock star qualities to these characters. You I mean, know, Donald Glover is an actual musician too, which yeah, is cool. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a definite choice for them to to say, hey, we want we want this to be more of a rock star story. You know, we yeah. want here's this cowboy, and that's and, great. And we want him to be kind of like you know the the rebel without a cause, and we want him to be not like part of this continual story about like epic battles. That's the thing. I mean, one of the things that I find most disappointing about the relative failure of this movie. Uh, is that I am dying for low stakes movies. I know, me you know too. what I mean. Like, I just want a movie where, like, yeah, all they're trying to do is rob somebody. Yeah, like they're playing. They're trying like, to pull off a like a train where heist. the fate of the galaxy is not at stake. Yeah, I want a movie about <laughs> characters doing things. And and in a world where you're making a Star Wars movie every five months, you yeah. know, eventually we would have gotten to the Cantina Band movie, and I want to see that. <laughs> I want to see the shopping malls of the Star Wars universe. Yeah. You know? Oh my gosh! Can yeah. you imagine that? That'd be that sounds yeah. that sounds fun to me. Those the sort suburbs of, of the exactly. Star Wars movie yeah, universe. Yeah, those things sound like they could have been fun. Yeah, to me. instead and of like everybody's living in encampments. Unfortunately, and, yeah. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a retrenchment to like epicness. I think so too. Well, I mean, look at look at how that's going for the superhero movies. I know. And then so now they've when they went half the, the galaxy most epic. It's, and like yeah. I don't want to see that. I know. I'm not interested in that. There's no you can't tell a human story. Listen, one death is a story. A million deaths is a statistic. Now, Stalin said that. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it's true. But that should be some. That should you should like write that on a note card and just mail it to like yeah Disney and be like yeah. here whoever is gonna write the next Make Star, a Star Wars, Wars movie, movie just where only this. one person you're only allowed one death. Yeah, I would love to see that. Exactly. I, would, I mean, to me that that's that's that makes that makes things matter more, and you are allowed to explore things a bit more. So you know, so to me, it's sad that the movie that got closest to being a casual Star Wars movie, yeah, that has the most the most time devoted towards here's here's like buddy relationship time, mm-hmm. here's like some some, romance. some steamy romance yeah. bits, um, here's like some offhand remarks, and here's like a robot that's really into like you know robot robot politics politics it's like it's you know it's just all the kind of like small petty things that make a good story that are really i don't know you can feel more of like a human connection to i think yeah 
I that's why I also think that this actually, even though it's not blowing out the box office right now, I think that it actually age pretty well. is something that if people watch it, they'll enjoy and they'll want to come back to. I yeah. mean, there's so many great scenes where you feel connected to what's going people on. People like hangout movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, and this is the closest you've gotten in the Star Wars. Also, I movie. think, you know, for people that are super into Star Wars and are like, oh, yeah, this is this component of the story and this component, almost like Bible stories. Like, I could care less about all these things. Yeah. But to have all these moments in this one that are like, oh, you're getting to hang out in the Millennium Falcon when it's, like, new to our storyline. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of really cool. I mean, you see even, like, the... um that kind of like weird hologram chess mm-hmm, game from the first movie. that you see. Yeah, you see it in the first movie, but because the special effects are so much better now, they took that and they 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 showed you more of it. Yeah. They showed you more of like the colors. They showed you more of the textures. It was like uh, all of the stuff that is in this is I think more fleshed out true Star Wars story, like things that fans might be longing for. Yeah. In terms of just it, you feel like you're hanging out in Star Wars land, right? Yeah, and yeah. and uh, I, yeah, I definitely think that it's um, people that haven't seen this and think that they love Star Wars, you'll like it. They're gonna love it, but they, you know, you should go see it because <laughs> otherwise they're just gonna make the next few films all about like stupid epic battle stuff yeah. and not give you yeah, that like buddy like, hangout well, Marvel time. Marvel killed half the galaxy. Yeah, right. We're gonna go for three fifths. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness all right what probably, haven't we talked about have we talked I think, to I death think about I think there's you can talk and talk and talk about I mean, star wars you know, I, I could talk about the one of the things i think i've noticed in this movie is for a for an origin movie it actually doesn't tell you much you don't already come in knowing if you watch all the other movies yeah so I like, didn't know about how Chewie met Han, though. I yeah, think that's you know pretty how enjoyable. they met exactly. You know that like he rescued him somehow, right? Yeah, but that's like it was so actually I mean, way more interesting that Chewie was about to eat Han. Yeah, that's I mean funny. that 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 was a pretty uh, great. But but bit. but anyway, so like you don't really find out about Han's like young life or anything like no. that. Like you you find out. What, you want, like, the Muppet Babies of Star Wars or no, something? No, I didn't necessarily <laughs> want that, but I do think it's interesting that Han's basically like. Han by the beginning of the movie. Yeah. It would have been an interesting movie to go from a thing where like Han is this like innocent, wide eyed, trusts everybody person and becomes jaded throughout the movie. And that doesn't happen. But he's kind of, they sort of do say like he's an orphan from the get go. So I I don't think there was ever a trusting moment in that guy's life. I know, I know. But I I do think it's interesting that there isn't really like, you know, uh, people don't start off from very far from where you where you find them in the that's original true. movies. That's true, but this was like baby steps and clearly yeah. they're probably not ever going to go gonna for do this th- nope, thing again. They're not even going to venture this far into oh, telling well. you an origin story. Oh, uh, well. Is there any other like Star Wars characters that you feel like you would want an origin story well, for? I mean, I'll tell you the rumors about what they're going to make, what they were going to make. Now, this might oh. have called a lot of this into question. They had announced a Boba Fett movie uh, that was going, was going to be made by the guy who made the Wolverine Oh. Movie that we just uh, Logan, out, uh, Logan, yeah, the one that. Came oh out my there. goodness! Now Boba Fett was a brutal movie because there isn't much information about him. I mean, there's some stuff in the, the mm-hmm. like the bad movies, but mm-hmm. we can just ignore all that. I mm-hmm. think so. Like there, you know, he's this dude with a cool costume, and that's about it. So you could do almost anything with that movie, <laughs> and that's kind of interesting. The man behind the helmet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you could do that, or you could, or you could just make him a cipher. You know, you could make him kind of like you know the man with no name from the Leone movies, and that'd be that'd be kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, so that that could be an interesting movie. They were also talking about doing an Obi Wan Kenobi movie with the now slightly older Ewan McGregor. Ooh, and and that's not the worst idea. It's not I've a terrible heard. idea. You know, um, so those are the two ones that I know they were talking about doing that are probably called into question now. Oh, that's a shame. Actually, yeah, that's a shame because those I'd be interested in seeing too. I mean, yeah, sure. they could be well written and fun. Yeah. Now Obi Wan, of course, has like the whole Jedi thing behind him, so yeah. I don't know. I I'm I'm interested to see like more. Stuff that doesn't involve the Force and the Jedi, and the, you know, you yeah, get kind of yeah, tired yeah. of like you the same battles. The, yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, I guess we'll see. Hey, what are we going to see next? I'm actually looking forward. I think uh, the new Ocean's Eight. Comes Ocean's out. Eight comes out next week, so we could definitely see that. The Lady Ghostbusters yeah. of heist movies, I yeah, guess. I don't exactly. know. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it goes better for we'll them see. than it went for the Lady Ghostbusters. Oh my gosh! Slightly underrated movie. And, yeah, you know, I got think its problems, but it, Nick, uh, I think that movie. our trend is to like movies that other people don't like and to not like the movies well, that since, everybody else since likes. Our best reviewed movie of the year is, of course, Thoroughbreds, which you know nobody watched well but that's because they couldn't i mean that didn't well, play very wide but we saw it you know we made a special trip to go see it yeah, yeah. good heavens if anyway. we hadn't done that it doesn't come anywhere near here all right mm. so hope maybe we'll talk to you next week hopefully we don't maybe lose we this file i'm gonna save right now nick is gonna save it right now. Save right now i promise all right and you're gonna make an awesome han solo song yeah 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 oh, solo so- you've gone solo the only way to go is up <laughs> <laughs> is that like is that a cowboy tune? Is that like a Roy Rogers cowboy tune? Kind of is actually. I, that okay. sounds like actually that sounds totally like an awesome cowboy song. I will tell you that the the inspiration musically for this song was actually the Roy Orbison "Fastest Gun in the West" <gasps> album I was listening to nice. in preparation for the cowboy mix CD I made a couple weeks ago. So that's what was in my mind anyway. No one else is gonna hear it, but <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So there's there's some slight cowboyness about it. Sweet. Awesome. Thanks for listening. The best, you know. Cowboys the best. Best. Love the best. All right. Well, summer's here. The theater's cool. The stage was set for solos rule. So don't say the odds. Get solo. What's this I hear? The ticket sales are good, I fear. Well, maybe Lando can save the show, but then again, no. Why did they turn? I'll never know. The Jump Street films. We're just so so so. Well, Alden's good. Get solo. Ron Howard's fine. Up's the only. A cult classic. Way to go. I think in time. Well, maybe Lando can save the show. But then again, no. What do people want anyway? Did Last Jedi really fry the brains? That Marvel crap is doing fine And this is where they draw the line
Han Solo gets so low. You get so low. Up's the only way to go. Way to go, Han Solo.